You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists for a resource or as a resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland, and I'm the host and also an elder of Believers Baptist Church. And with me is one of our other elders of Believers Baptist Church, Philip Castleton. We want to thank you for listening, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. May the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. Philip, we're in the middle of spring in uh, Texas, and it's April, the third week of April, that this podcast will be coming out. And um, it's always good to uh, see the trees and the grass and the flowers bloom and get back to the warmer weather. It certainly is, especially after that two weeks of of Alaskan winter we had. (laughs) Yes. Well, we want to consider a question that has come up about turning the other cheek. And this would be a, a text that we're going to consider from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. And the question is, what does turn the other cheek mean? What does turn the other cheek mean? And before I read the text... Let's think about it just for a moment. Does turn the other cheek mean that if someone attacks me physically, that I should let them do it? And and I'm not actually um, expecting you to answer all of these Mm -hmm. possibilities. I'm just setting the stage for us to think about it. Uh, Does turning the other cheek mean that if someone is um, attacking my wife or my daughter, that I just continue to let that happen? Does turn the other cheek mean if someone comes and um, takes my car out of my driveway, I say, um, yeah, and not only that, but uh, take the truck if you want, and here's the keys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, it seems to be that this text would be used to defend a lot of rights and privileges that we think that we have uh, and that we would use to gain um, advantage or to um, manipulate somehow into our own personal gain. So we have to think about this, and um, I think it's an important text. It's a text that's probably misunderstood and misapplied as much as uh, any text. Particularly, it seems there's a lot of misapplication um, from things that Jesus has said in the Sermon on the Mount, and this would be one of them. So let me just read the text, and then we'll uh, talk about it and think about it. This is in chapter 5 of Matthew, beginning in verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But, But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic... Let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So, we have to keep in mind the context of the Sermon on the Mount. We're Mm -hmm. talking about a lifestyle and a way to relate not only to God but to others based on a deep, growing, abiding relationship with God. That's what this Sermon on the Mount, uh, just in brief, would would have some um, context for us to be able to understand this. We're talking about a lifestyle of a believer who has recognized 
um, their call um, to um, be holy just as he is holy. Yeah, yeah. he certainly has made a distinction from the beginning as to what a kingdom of the citizen, a, a citizen of the kingdom rather, looks like, you know, when he starts with the Beatitudes and he explains uh, the disposition of, of uh, the heart, if you will, for one who belongs to the kingdom, which I really think is carried on all the way through this this whole book, and, and then is warned about um, uh, in chapter seven. Right, there's the dangers that um, of not being a kingdom citizen and mm-hmm. what that looks like. But here, I think that's exactly right. I think that he is going and he's exposing um, the misunderstandings uh, of the law and the standard that God requires uh, of His people. And, and 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 what a kingdom citizen looks like. He's exposing the misunderstandings and and explaining the, the real intent of the law. For example, um, he goes on in several places in chapter 5 and says, you have heard it said to those, and then he says, but I tell you. Mm-hmm. You have said, but I tell you, right? You have said, uh, don't commit adultery. I tell you, or even look at a woman, right? Here, that's what we have. You have heard that it was said... Um, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which actually the Bible plainly says uh, in Exodus 21, um, verses 24 and following, Leviticus 24, 20 and following, Deuteronomy 19, 21 and following, all of these actually say at some point, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? Right. And then, um, which is the, the, the setting that he grounds this um, turn the other cheek passage in. He, he, but every one of those texts, he's establishing um, for a judicial system the, the, the limits within which they're supposed to act. He's not, um, ex- with the exception of the one text in Leviticus, where he is actually um, in the context of an assembly uh, meeting together and acting um, in a judicial way, he is actually, in most cases, restricting the the vengeful hearts of men from acting out in a way that they shouldn't. And he's actually this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth text, um, it, it rightly understood, constrains us to only be able to go so far in judgment right. when someone does wrong. But the misunderstanding that the Pharisees brought to the text was that this was a command right? That I must never seek mercy, never think in the context of grace, right? But if a person knocks out your tooth, justice demands that I must knock out your tooth. And Jesus is confronting this way of thinking, that the law's demands were on the heart. The law's demands um, weren't external only. The law reached further than that. This is why he kept saying, you've heard but I tell you, and then he makes an appeal to the heart, right? right? The position of the heart. So when he gets to this text, he is actually saying, you've misunderstood an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and how the, the kingdom citizen is supposed to react in a situation where he has been violated. Let me tell you the right way. And that's when we get to our turn the other teeth checks. Yeah. Text. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in fact, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, on the Mount Matthew records in chapter 7, verse 28, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And so uh, he is turning on its head 
the teaching and the understanding of the Pharisees and the hypocritical way that they interpreted the law. Right. Now, let's go back because you, you referenced some Old Testament texts, and let me let me just read a couple of those. Okay. Um, let me read the one in Exodus chapter 21, and then you also referenced Leviticus 24. Right. And then, and then let's go to the New Testament text okay. that we just read. So you referenced Exodus chapter 21, verse 24, when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall um, impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. So there's that judicial element that mm-hmm. you're talking about. The, these laws were written, written so that the uh, judicial system that the Jews had, um, per God, would be able to um, adjudicate these cases. But, verse 23 of that text says, but if there is a harm, uh, rather, if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, and stripe for stripe. So now let's think about the... um, Leviticus 24 text, 24 verse 20, um, beginning actually at verse 13. 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, bring out of the camp the one who cursed and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head and let all the congregation stone him and speak to the people of Israel saying, whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. That's the point you were making earlier. Mm-hmm. The sojourner as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. Verse 17 of Leviticus 24 Whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good, life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor or he has done it, so to, so it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he has given, a person shall be given to him. So those two Old Testament texts should set the stage for us to dive into what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. Yeah, and, and we probably ought to say that the reason these laws are given is because the nat- natural inclination of man is to, you know, um, our recent president said, when I get hit, I hit back harder, mm-hmm. right? How many right. times have we heard someone's, and or even, uh, 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 what was our president's name? Trump. I, I, I went blank. <laughs> yeah. But when he would say stuff like that, right? Well, because that's the natural inclination of man. I get hit, I'm going to hit you twice as hard. You knock me down once, I'm going to knock you down twice. Well, these laws were were set in place not only to guarantee that justice be done, be meted out, but to prevent the vengeful heart of man from taking over and trying to institute, you killed my favorite ox, so that's it, I'm going to kill you. And, and it, it limited those things. Right. And speaking into that, I go all the way back to Genesis. Go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Genesis 4. Cain kills his brother Abel and is exiled from the garden and and a, a wanderer. Right. Lamech, one of his descendants, says this, If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. Mm-hmm. 
And it, that shows you just the progression of sin in the heart of man. Right. Um, this idea of if you do something to me, I'm going to do it back to you twice as hard. Right. So this point to this whole, uh, it's called the lex talionis or the law of retaliation. The whole point was the punishment must fit the crime. It can't go beyond Right? right, it was meant to limit the evil hearts of men and to constrain them in their judgment. That was the point of the law. What I, I think, what it, like I said, had transpired is, uh, you know, um, these Pharisees had come along and, and demanded, right, without mercy, without grace, uh, that we carry every judgment to its fullest potential. Right. So if a person, you know, um, you know, tripped me and I fell down and I knocked a tooth out. It was required of me mm-hmm. to knock that person's tooth out, mm-hmm. right? And, 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 and Jesus is coming along saying, um, you have misunderstood that this law, the, the intent of this law was to constrain men's hearts because hearts are evil. The right way for man's heart to respond to this, if he rightly understands God's law, is different. Mm-hmm. And that's when he begins to explain the eye for an eye the tooth for a tooth, the cloak and the tunic, right? The turning the, the other cheek. The walking two miles. I mean, the, the, I mean that, that I said the wrong thing, and not the eye for an eye, but the turning the other cheek. This mm-hmm. is when he begins to explain that. Right. And so so what does it mean in, in the context of this to turn the other cheek? That's really what he's talking about, right? Right, right. right. Now, let's uh, quickly say this, that I believe, and I think you would agree with me, that in the New Testament, um, we have government's role, the primary role of government being that of um, punishing evil doing. Uh, Romans 13 says it plainly, right? Right. That they have actually have two roles, um, well, three punish evildoers, reward the good, and to exercise crim- uh, uh, the sword on uh, capital punishment. Right. Right. So that would be the three p- particular things that, that government's given authority to right. do. So the, to say all that is the, in the context of what we're talking about with the law in the discussion that we're having. The law was set up so it would you would not go beyond the law. Right. In well, the, and actually, all of these situations where the scripture is used there, none of those are individual accounts of wrongdoing. That's right. They're all done in the context of, of a corporate exercise of justice. That's right. So that being said, um, when that law is given, and um, it, it was given so that uh, evil could be... Um, contained to mm-hmm. some extent, right. but it wasn't meant to govern an individual's actions towards someone who had wronged him. Right. Right. So when I am personally wronged as a Christian, what is demanded of me as, as um, a person with Christ's nature, as a kingdom citizen, as the Beatitudes would say, right? As one who has recognized his sin and mourned over it and, and recognizes he's got nothing to right, uh, to offer in the sense that he's, he's, he's uh, poor in right. spirit and such. As that person, what does the law demand of me, of my heart? And that's what Jesus is going to explain. I have no right. If someone slaps me on the cheek, I'm going to turn the other cheek. Right. This is meant. Someone gives me a personal insult. 
Right. Which is not, this isn't, and to answer your question, to go back even for a minute, when you said, does this mean that a person can't defend themselves? Remember when you asked the, right. the, the, the questions in the beginning? This has nothing to do with being personally attacked physically and someone wishing to harm you. The, the picture here is of someone insulting you. Right. They're, they're making a personal insult on you. They're questioning your character or they're, or, you know, they're talking about how ugly you are or, you know, they're calling you, you know, you're, you're fat or, I mean, this is a person who who is, and, and maybe they've done it in, in a physical way. The picture here is of someone who's backhanded someone, not in such a way to, um, to hurt them, but in a way that says, um, I think you're trash. Yeah, right. Now, what are you supposed to respond? Yeah, they're treating you with disdain. And, yes. Yes. Personal indignity. Right. Right. That's, so in the question here, he says, when that uh, 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 insult comes, when that assault on your character, on your name, on your person, when it comes, what do you do? Jesus says, it's not insulting back. That would be a misunderstanding of the Pharisees, uh, you know, uh, uh, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Mm-hmm. It's not that. It's turning the other cheek. And, and the, the whole point is when we're in Christ, our rights are given over. We're, we, we no longer have rights to personal... Um, a regard for self in that sense, right? To 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 pride and dignity, and uh, we're called to die to ourselves. We're called to die to our rights. We're called to die to to uh, uh, this this need, if you will, to hang on to personal honor and dignity and such. This is what he's calling for, right? The this is so countercultural, though, Phil. This is so countercultural. I'm talking about to our culture. Sure, it certainly was to Jesus' day as well. well I think because it's 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 counter nature. It's against the nature of the natural man. Yes, this is the point he's made. The law, if the law were only external, if were only external, like the Pharisees thought, the, in their natural state, they would um, find ways to think they could keep it. Right? right, the law's demands go so much further than the external, all the way to the heart, that they're not only countercultural; they're against the very nature of the man in his natural state. He cannot do these things, and the 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 design, the the uh, what the demands that that the Sermon on the Mount makes drives us to, to Christ and grace to recognize that we can't accomplish this stuff on our own. Right. And I don't think that uh, using perhaps a, a weak example, let's say that someone comes along and pins me up against the wall and says, give me your wallet right now. And, and I would, and I give them my wallet. And then uh, this is not telling me this text would not be staying um, that I should also say, well, here's the keys to my car. Why don't you take it as well? No, I don't think I mean, so. I mean, the the overall teaching, even of Proverbs, yeah. um, teaches uh, a sense of wisdom and thoughtfulness in terms of what you're doing. And loving your neighbor wouldn't be turning my car over to a, a thief right. for, for, no, for no reason. In fact, um, we're told, you know, here the, the, what it says is don't resist the one who's evil, right? Or right. don't resist. Uh, that, that's what he's told in a personal attack uh, against your character. But but we're told to resist the devil in James 4. Jesus resisted the profaning of the temple. Uh, Paul opposed Peter to his face. We see church discipline uh, exercise. I mean, we're told to remove wickedness from the congregation. This doesn't mean that all evil in itself can't be questioned or even... Um, braced against right or responded to right that's not what's being 
dealt right. with here. Yeah. There are many calls to deal with evil specifically, and we're going to deal uh, even more specifically with it in another podcast on, on, on this topic. We are not called not to be discerning. We're not called right. not to be, uh, you know, responsive uh, to some extent to, to evil. Right. But even the, to judge it. Yes, we are. But the question, the, the thing that's being addressed here is when I am insulted, I don't get to demand my rights. Right. My rights to, to insult you back. My rights to, uh, you know, expose you for hypocrite or my, you know, whatever. I, that's what's being called against here. The idea that I can take this, this law of retaliation and apply it to me personally and think that it's okay for me because my pride was wounded to go out and, and, and um, say something vile against my neighbor. Yeah, or exact uh, some kind of personal vengeance that's even greater than what the crime was against my person. Yes, because my person is is now Christ's, right? Right. I've given myself to Him. I, in fact, even in the context um, of First Peter, when he's talking about suffering, we're given an example of the one who was reviled did not revile in return. The one who had been done wrong in Christ did not seek vengeance, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. In essence, um, there'll be a day, if this person has done you wrong and God doesn't grant them grace and mercy, just as he granted you grace and mercy, right? right? If he didn't do those, he's not going to miss out. Every insult will be dealt with. Every personal wrong will be dealt with. Mm-hmm. But for you, your response to that personal wrong can't be vengeance, we're supposed to entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly. Ours is to respond in mercy. So you're saying, in your, as far as your interpretation and thought about what Jesus is saying, turning the other cheek is basically that we have no rights. Yeah, and I think that as he goes on through the text, I think he's going to make that point over and over. Okay, so, yeah. so, so the next piece of that would be the idea of somebody taking your tunic and then you would uh, give them your co- cloak as well. Right. So how do you think about that? How do you understand that to be? Well, it's the same, it's the same argumentation. In essence, um, you know, the, the person's cloak was probably their biggest um, symbol of, of financial wealth. I mean, a lot of times clothes was how they had wealth, right? A, mm-hmm. a good piece of clothing would have been worth a lot of money. But um, here's the deal in a situation, but the law actually required that a person, if you um, offered up your your piece of clothing as um, uh, 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 you, you signed a note, a pledge, and used your uh, coat as a pledge for that, and you violated it, then I could come. You violated your, your part of the agreement. I could come and take your cloak, right? right. Um, but the law said that I couldn't keep it overnight because it was the way that you kept warm, and it was one of the things that um, you needed for, for personal safety and security and, 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 um, and just comfort and comfort in, 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 in survival. Right, right, right. So I couldn't keep it overnight. I could take it, but I had to give it back. So if you signed your your cloak over for collateral for a loan, but you faulted on the loan, they yeah. could come and, and take it, but they couldn't keep it for long. They had to give it back. Okay. Right. Yeah. But here's what the the argument's saying: if that if you've done that and, and you violated a person, you didn't keep up with your agreement, and they have sued you for your cloak, give them your undergarment as well. And I think the point he's making is. Reconciliation between you and your brother is more important 
than your personal safety, mm-hmm. your personal security, your personal wealth, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. The point is, is you have no right to personal security or individual. When it comes to individual relationships, they trump that. Right. right? So we've given up, uh, in the sense, a right to dignity, mm-hmm. honor, uh, self. Yeah. Those and now we've given up a right to to uh, security. Right. Comfort. Yes. Convenience. But now the tunic would be the undergarment, um, and and let's say yeah. in this yeah. um, text it would be that you have given your tunic um, for collateral and you faulted, and then he comes and says, "Okay, I got your tunic," yeah. and you would say, "Well, take my cloak as well," yeah. because the cloak from the, the law oh, yeah. would be the most important. Yeah, the part that they had to give back. Right. You're right. I, I missed yeah. Yeah. But the point is, either way, right. that that the, and, um, that he had to give it up. Right. And and you, and the point that he's making is why would I give both? Well, I'm the one who's defaulted, right? right. He's come and he has sued me to to try to make right. Right. But instead of just making sure that he gets what's owed to him and that's it, no. I, I should be seeking reconciliation. Right. And if that means that I give him all of it, right? I just give it all to him because my personal safety is not as important as the reconciliation between me and my brother and the relationship there that's important. That right. needs to be to established. Right. He has done only what is within his rights and the law to do. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that he might not have uh, foregone his opportunity to take you before the judge. Right. Maybe that was the right way to act. But even if he um, didn't follow the letter of the, uh, the spirit of the law, but the letter to mm-hmm. to its to its to, to exact from you um, what you owe, your response should be seeking reconciliation, right? Even if it means giving up personal safety, right, or comfort or convenience, yes. which would be more in line, I think, with our culture. I mean, we're we're so geared for personal comfort, we're so in tune to our personal convenience, and our whole society, every part of our day seems to run on um, how convenient can it be. Yeah. Um, and in fact, we were talking about this at lunch, you know, ease and um, being able to do a job with ease is better than having to do uh, the hard work sometimes. Thank, thanks for bringing that convicting <laughs> word, Jason. <laughs> okay, so, the, so um, the idea of turning the other cheek is in this text, mm-hmm. the idea of taking... Um, or rather giving your cloak is in this text. What about this idea of going two miles? You're asked to go one mile, but you offer to go two. Sure, you know, the picture is of a Roman soldier coming along, right? Because uh, in the, they could demand of you, um, you know, to, to carry their garment, their pack, their gear, whatever, a certain distance. Usually, I, I think it's, you know, it's been understood a mile or whatever. His argument is, if they bid you go one, go two. And I think the, to, to be shortened to the point, um, again, this is a giving up of personal time and convenience. Liberty. Liberty. Yeah, it's a good... You know, we love our liberty, don't we? <laughs> we and do. we love to claim it. I have the right to. I am... Even in the context of, of Christian, we like to argue for Christian liberty all the time. Even though it's so funny that Christian liberty is always always constrained by the needs of my brother. Always constrained by the needs of my brother. Mm -hmm. And here, we're not talking about a brother in Christ necessarily. We're talking about a Roman soldier coming along. But the point that's being made is your liberty is also constrained by the needs of the lost neighbor who bids you do something you don't want to do. You have no right to time or freedom. Right. 
Give them. Go extra. Do do the extra because it's not your time. Right. Now, is the point in your mind, Philip, is the point of this to to distinguish the um, kingdom life compared to the world's life? The, 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 the witness, the evangelistic uh, piece of this would be what makes this person willing to give me their cloak? What makes this person go with me two miles without complaint? Oh, I think that the point is that the kingdom life is a transformed life. I think that would be the point from the very beginning. I mean, when when he says that blessed are those who, um, in, in verse 3, are poor in spirit, well, if you have a right understanding of what it means to be poor in spirit, you recognize that's not something that you can bring about on in yourself. You know that the recognition of 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 not having any any merit before God is is a God given gift. It's a, it's an act of it's a it's a grace that we've been given. The mourning over <laughs> sin, all of these things are pictured that God has done a work. He's transformed a life. He's transformed a mind. So when we get to all of these things, uh, the the contrast is between the natural way of thinking and what God has done in a person and instilled in a person, the new nature and new desires that are instilled in us. And we don't, we fail them. We can't do them perfectly. But, but the law that's being expounded in the Sermon on the Mount is only possible at all for those who are in Christ and have a new nature right in the power of the spirit so i think the distinction is between uh, the the natural response which seeks justice rights and um you know at all cost right right versus the one who says um i something greater the the kingdom is greater than this i rest in in christ and his work in me, I, and I don't need to be vindicated here and now. I don't have to hang on to my personal um, rights. I don't have to. Um, I don't. All these things don't have to manifest themselves right now because um, uh, there'll be a time when uh, God will will do what is just and right and and vindicate me. Right. Okay. So we've dealt with from the text the idea of giving. Uh, rather turning the other cheek, giving the person your cloak, walking with the person two miles. And then the last piece of this would be a beggar comes and you do not refuse what he needs. Yes. Um, And so, again, I guess it's the idea of... um, personal property. I think that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly isn't this isn't a demand to give to the professional beggar right. or drunkard. You know, this doesn't mean that you're bound. I don't think it means that you're bound to the guy who walks up to to you um in the parking lot and says, um, can you give me a dollar? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I don't think that's what it's talking about at all. I think it's talking about uh, the one who has a legitimate need. You see a person with a legitimate need uh, that what you aren't able to do is defend not meeting that need because all you can see is your own need. You know, I think the point is, is you have no rights to personal property that God is, everything you have has been given by God. And, and, um, and when he um, brings to your attention a need, meet the need. You've, you hold on to your things loosely. Very loosely. Yeah. 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 I think that's the point. 
I do too. And and this is a good text. It's convicting. It's certainly convicting as we try to live our daily life within a culture that demands that we live opposite of what this text teaches. Well, from the very beginning, he's establishing, and I said this a minute ago, but I'll say it again. He's establishing the the role of the law on the heart, right? Not the role of the law on on the externals. But what does my heart say when I'm confronted with the person who has a need? Does my heart say, listen, you made bad decisions. You know, I know you can't pay your electric bill, but you know what? You know, you, you shouldn't have made all those bad decisions. You have acted poorly, and I'm just not, I, you know, if that's the way my heart swells up, I'm a Pharisee. Right. How am I supposed to respond in the context of that? Do I see, is it a legitimate need? Right. Do I have the means to meet it? Right. Uh, then that's my neighbor. Right. Right? I supposed to meet that need. That's the point to all of this. Right. When a person offers a personal insult, what does my heart say? Does right. my heart desire vengeance? Man, that's wrong. Yeah. Well, it, it's all, it, that's the whole argument, I right. think. Is there a secondary argument in that the idea of overcoming evil with good? Well, yeah. Uh, in Romans 12, actually, um, I think it's in Romans 12 or 13, um, it talks about that. It's in, in chapter 12. In fact, it says, Bless those who persecute you in verse 14. Uh, actually, start in verse 9. It says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be consistent in, or constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And and what that last statement is not saying is that by doing good, it's an underhanded way of getting back at the person who's done you wrong. Right. The picture is that you love them so, and you overcome evil by doing good, by when you do good and it heaps fiery coals upon their head, the Bible says, the picture is that it's melting the hardened heart Mm -hmm. and that we hope for them the same grace that God has offered to us, that he has given and, 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 and made a change in us. The picture is you overcome their evil by doing good. And when you do good, it's not an underhanded way, like I said, of getting back and making them feel bad about their bad behavior. It's a way of melting their stony hearts. Their wa- You know, the very same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay, right? right. Well, he's hoping that these are hearts of wax, that when you're pouring the hot clothes, it, it melts it melts the wax and that they will come to, to know 
the Christ who forgives and, and deals with sin. That's the goal. Right. It's never an <clears throat> underhanded way of getting back. You're supposed to be trusting yourself to God who will exercise justice on that day. Or maybe he exercises grace now. But our, that would be our prayer. Right. Isn't that right? Right. So even as we turn the other cheek or give our cloak or go two miles um, or give to the beggar, it's the same kind of thing. We're we're overcoming evil with good by um, demonstrating the transformed life and hopes that the um, goodness that we would do would melt the heart of stone and create uh, a desire and a longing for God to do something. Right, because our battle's not against flesh and blood. Yeah. 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 So it's not our battle's not to take on our neighbor who hurt our feelings or took our cloak. Or demanded of us something that right. inconvenienced us or whatever. Our goal is to see them in Christ, right? Right. And because of that, I can give up all personal rights in hopes that that God will use um, my right reaction to their wrongdoing in a way and such that will soften their hearts right. and bring them to Christ. Right. Uh, echoes of First uh, Corinthians 13, yeah. even though the context would be within the body. Right. Outside of the body, um, love would be uh, the key to unlocking the hard hearts. Yeah, well, that's the, the point of the whole text is, uh, you know, what does your heart look like? What right. is your heart? How does your heart respond? Because if it's responding in, uh, in the way the Pharisees did, um, you, you've, you've got a lot of soul searching that needs to happen. You've missed the point. You have missed the point. Right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We pray that it's a blessing and an encouragement and some spiritual help to you. We always uh, appreciate any ratings, reviews, or shares. Those are always helpful. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you.